0: was a typical Tuesday morning, had a busy week already. I was on my way to one of my jobs and I also had to get prepared for a very big meeting that was going to happen the very next day. A meeting that would probably have an enormous impact on the small mission church where I was a pastor. This is truth to ponder. With Bob Bierman. I was going to begin this program with some news headlines, but they can wait until next week. A lot of news stories out there, but these can wait. I think what we need to share today is going to have an impact on many of your lives. Maybe put some things in perspective. It was 1998, and I had been working for a number of years for Tocoa Falls College in northeast georgia now i'd gone there in the 1980s to become their director of engineering and my because of my broadcast background to build additional radio stations for this christian college now my job started out with just the one radio station at Toccoa falls soon after they added a station in middle georgia and in time they had a number of radio stations I built a satellite network, and I I really enjoyed my time in ministry for that college. But it was during the time that I was at Tacoa Falls that God really got a hold of my heart. And that call that had laid dormant, or seemingly so, deep inside to serve my Lord in ministry became the apparent path I needed to take. And so starting in the early 1990s, even though I had consulting work behind the college, I started my process for the ordained ministry and doing my seminary level work. And in time, by 1996, I was ordained to the ministry. And I was assisting churches within maybe two or three hours of where I was living My wife and I spent well over a year, almost a year and a half, commuting from our home in Little Toccoa, Georgia, to a community called Statesville, North Carolina, where I was helping a mission church during that time. That was every weekend, along with my studies. By the time 1998 rolled around, I was getting pressure that I ought to consider a full-time or a closer-to-full-time ministry, And in the early part of 1998, my wife and I took a drive down to Florida. We visited several communities that we were invited to be to look at some churches that were seeking a new clergyman. I can remember being down near Boca Raton, Vero Beach, on the east coast of Florida. And these churches They needed somebody, and they were very good churches to go to, but I never felt the freedom to go there. Then we visited this one little mission group over in Sarasota, Florida. Small church, had been around for a while and just never could take off. They had a pastor there, wonderful, very nice guy, but he never had a vision And he was in the retirement mode. In other words, he was a caretaker. Even though the money would be terrible or non-existent, my wife and I prayed about it for quite a long time. Is that the church to which we should go? And I finally decided it is the place we're being called to. I can remember talking to Dr. Paul Alford, the president at the time of Tacoa Falls College, explaining that I really had this leading to go to this church. I didn't know if I could make it work, so I'm having a hard time giving an answer. And I can remember what Dr. Alford told me then. It still rings true in my brain today. If God is calling you to that ministry, you only have one answer. Yes. Pray about it. And if this is where God is calling you, you don't worry about the other. You just worry about answering the call. And so I went home, and we talked about it, and I said, we're going to take a huge leap of faith. I'm going to say yes. Now, this is probably in early July, maybe it's end of June. I can't quite remember. I let them know that I would take the church, and I would be there sometime in August. Had a few things to tidy up needed to find at least a small place we could land at. We had a house and a mortgage up in Georgia. So I wasn't sure I was going to make it all work out. And then I went to the college president's office, and I explained to him that I had decided to answer that call. And I've already told him yes. And he said, wonderful. He said, because of all the work you've done, we're going to keep you as a consultant and your paycheck and your benefits going and that that lasted two additional years. It gave us the way to start the ministry that God had given us in Florida. 1998, 1999, even 2000. two and a half years roughly that I at that point, getting into 2001. We grew a little bit. We were kind of like vagabonds looking for a better place to worship. and we'd come into this pretty decent arrangement in this one building, but I still felt that God had another building in mind. And, and we reached out, and we found one that seemed to be quite suitable, but definitely outside of the ability for us to buy. We had already raised a pretty good amount of money. A very substantial gift gave us a pretty decent fund to work with. And so here we are in 2001— probably the summer of 2001, and we're taking some leaps of faith. We're looking at at properties and buildings, and we found this one old Methodist church building in Sarasota. And it was behind the BMW dealership that was on Tamiami Trail, and the building was now actually owned by the dealership. But he had opted to move everything to a different road, where most of the car dealers had been moving to. And so now it's for sale outside of our budget, but we w- we looked at it. And the owner of the building was actually out of the country on a, on a nice vacation. He was actually in Italy. And the real estate agent made contact via email, and we set up a meeting to occur on a Wednesday afternoon. Because he was coming back sometime Monday night, Tuesday morning, he'd be in Tuesday morning. And so we were set for that meeting. And so I get up that morning and I have to my part time job to help make ends meet. By that point, I was working for what is known as Clear Channel Communications, iHeartRadio to today. And I was doing engineering work for a couple of their radio stations, some transmitter maintenance. And it was part time. And I had agreed that morning to come in, try to get there about 9, 9.30, take care of some things after the morning shows were done. Then I had planned to get together with the real estate agent again before the meeting on Wednesday and with some of our church people to see if there's any way to make this happen. Well, everything kind of changed a little bit. I'm driving to work, and as many of you can probably remember on that Tuesday, About 10 minutes before 9... There was some news stories developed. Good
1: morning, America. I'm Charles Gibson.
0: I'm Diane Sawyer, and it's Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. Beautiful outside, perfect September day with lots of sunshine. Oh, would you look
1: at Washington, huh? mentioned We have a breaking news story to tell you about. Apparently, a plane has just crashed into the World Trade Center here in New York City. It happened just a
0: few moments ago, apparently. We have very little information available.
2: Some indication that this was deliberate, you'd hope that they were starting to get people out of the other tower before the second plane hit that tower horrifying video right. of the plane veering into the tower itself uh, is a clear indication to everyone here that this is not an accident all right jim michoshefsky thanks and of course the coordination that took place to have two planes hit the towers within 18 minutes of one another the pentagon is
0: being evacuated there is a large fire there and that is the smoke you see in the shot that you are looking at now wow
1: and some Jamie, people were. Jamie, I need you to
0: stop for a second. There has just been a huge explosion. We can see uh, a billowing smoke rising. And I can't, I'll, I'll tell you that I can't see that second tower, but you, there was a cascade of sparks and fire, and now this, it looks almost like a mushroom cloud explosion. There's a,
1: there's a haze everywhere. It's very, very difficult to see, but there has been a, a whole area has been covered by soot and ash. I so it looks almost like snow. So as
3: people are coming up the street, running from the scene of this new explosion.
0: I was in my car, driving from our, home in venice florida just south of sarasota driving to work when that news came on the radio about the first plane some kind of an aircraft maybe it's just a commuter plane had run into the world trade center and then a few minutes later 18 minutes later became apparent when the second aircraft hit it was more than just an accident it had been planned I can remember getting to the radio station, and it was also kind of a unique day in Sarasota. President George Bush was in town. And as I'm driving to work, he's currently at the Booker Elementary School in Sarasota, talking about his new No Child Left Behind and and being there for a reading class when he gets the word whispered in his ear about the attacks. I can remember distinctly listening to Air Force One scream out of the Sarasota Airport like nothing I've ever heard before taking off in my life. And there we all were glued to the television set as one by one the towers fell down. The word came about the crash at the Pentagon and the aircraft being taken down to the ground. Flight 93 in Pennsylvania. I got to the radio station and I didn't do any engineering work. We're all glued to the TV and and trying to keep news and information on the air. We tied every one of our six radio stations together for a nonstop news feed. America under attack. What does this really mean for the world? The president was nowhere to be found because the Secret Service and the military were trying to find the best place for safety until the skies were cleared. And I can remember later that night what the president had to say. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The victims were in airplanes or in their offices. Secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers, moms and dads, friends and neighbors. Thousands of lives were suddenly
1: ended by evil, despicable acts of terror.
0: I can remember getting home that afternoon. I talked to my wife several times. On the phone, and it suddenly dawned on us as news stories were beginning to come out of who these people might be. We can remember that summer very well in Venice, Florida. We had a small pool in our backyard, and I would take advantage of that many an afternoon when I would get home a little swim in the pool before dinner. And my wife was complaining about these noisy jets that had been flying a lot more than normal that summer. And, and see, at the at the airport in Venice, there was a, a flight school, and they were also teaching how to fly a jet, and that's apparently where Mohammed Atta had trained, and we had heard him flying jets over our house as he came in for a landing, even though he didn't care much about learning how to land into the Venice airport. And how that business went out of business because turned out he never turned in this individual, a foreigner, taking flying lessons who didn't care about landing. That should have been a clue that something is not right with this individual trying to, to learn how to fly a jet. And so here we are, September 11th, that night. And I'm wondering, I guess that meeting for Wednesday is now canceled. It turned out not to be. The meeting actually never happened, but the results were already in play. We were going to buy that church building from the owner of the dealership. He was one of the last planes landing in in Tampa, coming back from his vacation. And he decided at that point in time to drop the price of that building and the four acres in half. That put it within reach of what we had to work with. I can remember going that very Thursday, that very Thursday after 9-11, to talk to a local bank who agreed immediately to finance that church project. And we purchased that church building right after 9-11. We, were, we had the church building cleaned up and ready to use, even partially remodeled by the first Sunday in Advent. God had used this tragedy to actually open the door for us to have a better place to worship. Our congregation started at that time, even at the old location. Somebody recommended at the end of our service, after the closing prayer, and before everybody would leave, we would sing one verse of God Bless America. Our prayer to remind us of what had just happened just days before, and over time months before, and we we chose not to forget those that lost their life in 9-11. It's funny what's happened over the years. Actually, it's very sad what has happened over the years. It didn't take long for the Democrats and the Republicans to be back at each other's throats again. It didn't take long for the insults to be hurled. It didn't take long before the truth became irrelevant and politicians would lie to gain more power. The division came back, and it came back worse than it was before. By the time we got to 2003, 2004, The memory of 9-11 is now fading away from our memories. We're no longer recalling what it was like on that day, that Tuesday. That Tuesday in 2001, when for a brief time, virtually all, not all, but virtually all Americans were united. I can remember all the flags you saw. In front of people's homes. I can remember the bumper stickers saying. We will never forget. I saw some hope. Briefly. For our nation. By the time we got to 2004 and 2005. That hope was long forgotten. I think of young people today. Under the age of let's say 30. At age 10 or less, you don't fully comprehend the world around you. So they don't understand what it was like to watch those buildings come down. If you're like 25 or 20, you have virtually no remembrance of that date, except what you might find in a history book, and it doesn't impact your mind and emotions, like being alive and observing with your own eyes those tragic events. In looking back over these past 20 years, I think it was by design, by much of the media, to have us forget the events of 9-11. Because, see, if everybody would rally around 9-11, we as a nation would be vastly more unified. And for those that want to have domination over your freedom and your life, division is what they have to have in order for their plans to come together. So during these 20 years of forgetting about what happened on 9-11, we've become more divided today than I think any time, even since the Civil War. And that's why I think it's important that we never Forget. I
1: hear people say we don't need this war. But I say there's some things worth fighting for. What about our freedom and this piece of ground? We didn't get to keep them by backing down. They say we don't realize the mess we're getting in. You start your preaching Let me ask you this, my friend All the footage Off my TV Said it's too disturbing For you and me It'll just breed anger That's what the experts say If it was up to me I'd show it every day Some say this country Is just out looking for a fight for
0: that are now in our 50s, 60s, and 70s and beyond. We remember that day. We have not forgotten. I can remember that very night after getting home. And my wife looked at me and was like, what's going to happen now? Will there be more attacks? We didn't know. I mean, we were all in that same boat together of not knowing. My father called me up that night, and he and I had a very long talk. My dad and I got along pretty well as kids, and then, sadly, my parents had gotten divorced after I had left home. My dad had remarried, and I didn't much like his new bride, and his new bride uh, was just devoted to her kids and pretty was well- pretty much pushed us out. So my father and I had not really had a chance over the years to talk as much as I wish we could have. Yeah, he'd been there about five years before when I was ordained to the ministry. He'd seen that. But here we are discussing the world. And it was one of those rare times as you grow up and you get, here I am in my 40s now. I'm like 47 years old. I'll be 47. Talking to my dad about the world, talking to a man that had gone through the Pacific Theater in World War II, trying to figure out what the world had in store and where the direction was going. I knew for me, even at that point, that the value of my ministry, the things that God had called me to do, were now stronger than ever before. I recognize that a number of people may, for the first time, have a wake-up call to get reconnected to their church roots. And that did happen for a season. But like everything else, people began to forget. All of a sudden, the images were gone from the TV. By 2009, instead of calling things a terror event or Islamic terror or fundamentalist Islamic terror it became quietly changed in the FEMA circles to man-made disaster we started downplaying the fact that this is a spiritual battle we wrestle not against flesh and blood in reality we do but we don't we're wrestling against a principality and power the demons from hell in this case I'm being just brutally honest. This ideology that is the extremist Islamic point of view is satanic at its core. And now think about this. The Patriot Act comes along very rapidly after 9-11. And of course, Americans still worrying about terror attacks. They go along with it. We still take our shoes off at airports. You'd think they would figure a way around that by now. We still get humiliated in these little tubes to check us out. And we've morphed from Islamic terror to man-made disaster. And now the real terrorists are people that go to church, have some questions about the vaccine not being the only way to get out of a pandemic. And if you scratch your head about the election results in places like Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, well, then they consider you a terrorist. You are a threat. Right now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm bringing on a guest from yesterday who was there in New York City on 9-11 good friend of this radio program the reverend dr timothy gale so please stay tuned for dr gales right after we take this break
2: this is truth to ponder with bob beerman the days of awe in a moment Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Khan, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're really going to love. Now, in between the two great holy days of autumn... Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, there were ten days. These are the days given to Israel and heralded by the sounding of trumpets to prepare to meet the Lord. They began with the sounding of the trumpets and they ended with meeting God. They became known as the Yamim Noraim, the Days of Awe or the Awesome Days. It was believed that in these days your final destiny was sealed in the Book of Life. So throughout the ages, Jewish people have spent their days of awe with great reverence, trying to get right with God and man, forgiving, asking forgiveness making amends, making things right, trying to tie up the loose ends of life, the days of awe. Well, what does this have to do with you? Everything. You see, you know that one day after this life is over, you're going to stand before God. So you've already heard the trumpets. And once you breathe your last breath, you'll never again be able to prepare for eternity. You see, these days are the days of awe. In some ways, these days on planet Earth are even more awesome than eternity. You see, the days of eternity do not determine your days on Earth, but your days on Earth do determine the days of eternity. I know when you're doing the laundry, when you're driving to work, when you're taking out the garbage, it doesn't seem like it, but these are the awesome days which determine your eternity. So use them wisely. Tie up the loose ends of your life. Get right with God and man. Forgive and be forgiven. Express your love to that one who needs it. Make amends. Stop compromising and do do the good thing you know you have to do, because eternity stands just around the corner, my friend, and you'll never again have these days to ready yourself for them. For these are your Yamim Noraim, your days of awe. Want more? Ask for the days of awe. Now the free gift for you. What if you discovered the place where the lost Ark of the Covenant was hidden? Well, a newly revealed ancient discovery just as awesome. The mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. It's our free gift to you and Sapphire's daily spiritual vitamins guaranteed to revitalize your walk or a free New Testament. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. Dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. Jewish people, they brought you the blessings of salvation. I invite you to join with me to bring it back to them. To bless those who blessed you and reach the unreached peoples from every nation, just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's a Nice Jewish Boy, it's 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, man. My friend in Messiah, Tenu, our hope.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to this very special edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. We've been sharing some memories of what happened 20 years ago. On that day that changed many Americans, but sadly so many have forgotten. As I mentioned in the first part of the program, look at the unity that even the Congress of the United States had that very night and very next day, arm in arm in front of the Capitol, unified with the common good of our nation. It all fell apart in a short amount of time. And before long, it was business as usual. Stabbing each other in the back. Ad hominem attacks. And just trying to deceive and fool the American people. It's what the government seems to do best, sadly. I'm an American. And I'm proud to be an American. I am proud of my nation. I'm proud of the things that it can do. look at our history and like many nations there are things in our history that are very dark that are very evil and honestly I'm seeing a very subtle but very dangerous kind of evil in our world today I see the evils of what is demonic globalism coming across the face of Of our planet. If you look at every despot in history, everybody that has been cruel and inhumane, they wanted to conquer the earth. They wanted to rule this world because for them that would make them a god on earth. The spirit of Antichrist is still alive and well in our world today. And the sooner we as Christians recognize the fact that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the better off we are going to be. The events of 20 years ago were a wake-up call of how vulnerable we are as a people and a nation. However, just like the pandemic, those events have been used even against us and our own personal freedoms. I think they've crossed the line one too many times in the years that have gone by. For those that listen to the weekday version, Monday through Friday, of the program Truth to Ponder, by the way, you can find it at our website, Truth the Number Two ponder.com truth the number two ponder.com we had one of my favorite guests we hadn't had him on in a while the Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales and we spoke about some of the issues of the day but I want to bring Dr. Gales back on for this segment of the program many of you may not realize it but 20 years ago Dr. Gales to raise his family, was working on Wall Street in New York. And he was there the day the the two jet aircraft plowed into the World Trade Center towers. And I know we've talked about this before, Dr. Gales, it's not an easy thing to do. But I'm going to ask you to share with the audience today your recollection of the events of September 11th, 2001.
3: You know, it's always a difficult time and this time of year I traditionally try to block things out because uh, I do have PTSD because of things I experienced. Um, in a, in a nutshell, I went into work that morning. I usually went to Trinity Church on Broadway across the street from Wall Street to say my prayers. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And when I walked out of Trinity Church, I heard an explosion, like a bang. I couldn't see the trade center behind the church from where I was, but all stuff started falling on the ground around me, half burnt phone books. I mean, it was just coming down like confetti. And I thought well, maybe a furnace on top of a building blew up, I didn't know what happened. But I hustled down to Wall Street and I saw all the security outside the stock exchange. I went up on the trading floor when I went in there and I saw on the big screen TV smoke coming out of one of the buildings uh, and somebody said a twin engine jet flew into the building my broker one of them who was in staten island came over on the ferry he was shaking he was oh my god i just saw it a twin engine jet went right into the building you know so everybody was shocked and i called up my wife from from the booth with my phone i said look i don't i don't know what happened it looks like you know i don't know if this was intentional while i'm talking to her Yep. I see live the second plane wow. on the TV screen go into the second building. And the whole exchange shook. And I sat there and I said, that was not an accident. No, I said, this, we're, we're, this is an attack. And I said, I love you, honey. I'll call you as soon as I can. And I, I, and I hung up. And they started saying evacuate the New York Stock Exchange. So we went outside. I had my trading coat on. I had two brokers with me. We, we were deciding. They said, which way should we go? One of them said, "I'm. Do we go uptown?" I said, "You see that water over there, guys? I'm walking on water today. I'm getting off of this friggin' island." Oh, no, I don't blame you. And I went down down to the pier, and as we went down there, you know, we were walking hurriedly down, down the street. And, uh, all of a sudden you hear these screams again and people come out of the building that we were in front of and they're saying, Oh my God, they hit the Pentagon. And, and, you know, and you're, you're in this surreal world. You're thinking, are we in the middle of world war three or something? Like, is this really happening? You know, I remember Uh, when the story first broke, I
0: was driving, um, from my home in Venice, Florida to Sarasota, which is just about a 20 minute drive. I, I worked part-time for a company called Clear Channel, now known as iHeartRadio. My primary job was being a church pastor, but a couple of days a week I did some engineering work, and it was a Tuesday, and I got in my car to go to work as usual, and I heard on the news that some kind of an aircraft had hit the building, and people thought it may have been just like a private plane. Nobody really knew, and then, oh, then this the second. And by the time I got to work, uh, we were watching the TV, and you're right, to, to watch all of this unfold, and, and it was like, what in the world is happening? So, so continue. How did, you, how did you get away from, from Manhattan?
3: Well, interestingly enough, one of the things I found out is that another one of our brokers was up at the trade center when the second plane hit, so I stopped before I went down to the pier. And we went all the way back up to the towers. And it was there. I, I For some crazy reason, I, I said, I got to find him, one of my coworkers. And when I went up there, I saw people jumping and I saw mm. people hit the ground. And that was uh, more than I can talk about.
0: I understand. But,
3: you know, actually i found my friend believe it or not in that chaos with all those people and so then we turned around and started going back down toward the pier and as we were halfway down we heard this screaming and i looked behind us and there's a giant cloud of smoke coming down so we all started running and the weird thing is you saw women's high heels shoes sitting on the sidewalk they were running barefoot you know they had no choice yeah it, it reminded me of you know those old God Godzilla movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it reminded me of that. But I ran. We got down to Water Street. You know, we were all the way down at the pier, and um, there was a chain link fence, and there was a, a, a ferry, and it was supposed to go to Weehawken. I didn't care where it was going. I, it, I, anywhere but Manhattan. You know. So it, we were all it, packed in there like sardines. Men, women, crying, trying to get on to this this uh, this ferry. And I noticed on the other side of the fence there, there's there's another ferry. But nobody was over there. We were all jammed trying to get on this one. So I started climbing the fence. I mean, I'm a New Yorker, right? Yeah. I I climbed the fence, straddled it, reached down, and started pulling my, my brokers over. And when people saw that happening, they all started climbing the fence. Amen. And we got on the other ferry, which brought us to Jersey City. But... You know, climbing that fence, and that's some years later, you know, interesting thing happened with regard to that. Uh, if we have time, I'll tell you. Yeah, go ahead. But- I got on that, that ferry, and when we did, people kept getting on there. By that time, the cloud was making its way down to the, to the wharf, mm-hmm. the pier. And the guy, the, the captain of the ship said, look, I've got to go. I will come back in 15 minutes, 15 minutes, and I'll get you. The rest of the people, they were crying, screaming. We ended up pulling away. And going out into the water, and we closed the glass doors, and you saw the, the smoke just enveloped us until we picked up enough speed to come out of it. Wow. And when we did come out of it, we're out in the middle of the harbor, and we opened the doors and looked out, and that's when we saw there was only one tower standing. And you could still see little people jumping like ants off of that tower. Wow. And— you know, I was sitting there and right then we heard this whoosh right over like 30 feet off the water were jets. And somebody yelled out, those are ours. Those are our boys. No more planes are flying into any buildings today, fellas. They're here. And it was, it was our boys. They, they got there. I guess they came from Andrews or somewhere. Wow. Uh, and, And they were flying around. So, we proceeded over to jersey city and when i was getting off the off ramp everybody was quiet we got off the off ramp everyone started screaming again i looked across the harbor and watched the second building come down and my broker friend who's standing right next to me just whispered the world has changed forever as of today and that's so true Yep, you know, we, and, we, uh, we we just walked around Jersey City, so there I am in Jersey City it was chaos, police everywhere fire, you know, people getting in little dinghies and going over to the island like uh, Dunkirk uh, my, my mother said that at the time, she mm-hmm. reminded her of Dunkirk everybody was going over there and taking people off the island uh, and we were in Jersey City, I had to get to Newark, uh, Newark train station and had no way to get there, so I started walking out in the middle of the street when I saw a bus, and I put my hand up and just stopped buses, and I went to the window. I said, where are you going? Three buses I stopped. The third bus was was going to Newark. I asked if we could get on. He gave us a ride. We went there. And when I got off in, in Newark, Penn Station, I gave the guys a hug. One guy went my way, and the other two went their way. I get on the train. Now I'm still wearing my black trading coat. Right. Right with the net mesh in the back and everything. I'm sitting there, and my, my broker friend is across from me. We're sitting in the seat, and all of a sudden, the conductor runs in. He goes, was anybody at the World Trade Center when it got hit? You need to get off the train right now and get decontaminated. And I looked at the guy across from me, and I said, don't you move. Yeah. And I called my sister. I said, what's going on? She said, they're, they're saying on TV it could be anthrax was on the plane. I said, well, I'm a dead man then. Because I was right under the building. I said, but I'm coming home. And I looked at my friend. I said, do I have dust? I mean, he said, a little bit. So I brushed my hair off, took my trading coat off, stuffed it in my bag. And I said, we weren't there. And we looked out the window. You know what they were doing? To decontaminate people. They were pouring bottled water over their head. Yeah, that's all they had. I said, I'm not getting." It took me five hours. Believe it or not, I'm giving you the condensed story. It took me like five hours to get out, out of that freaking city. And let me tell you something. I was not getting off that train No. and when I got home I I wouldn't let anybody touch me my wife nobody said go up and get a pair of dad's clothes Um, because I went to my mother's house it was closest and I said Mm -hmm. you know get a Black garbage bag, and I went in the garage, took all my clothes off, sealed them in the bag, uh, went in the house, took a shower, and then put my dad's clothes on and came down. Thankfully, it wasn't it wasn't uh, anthrax uh, in there, but I had glass shards in my eyes. I was breathing, you know, glass in. So insulation. Yep, I'm certified in nine eleven health right now with four conditions, and um, hopefully that's it. But a lot of the guys on the trading floor are coming down with cancers of different kinds because they told us it was all right to come back. And, you know, we went back in there, we traded, we we did everything we could do. But I was standing under a black cloud of smoke in the main room of the New York Stock Exchange that was hovering above for a number of days. And I was sitting below it on phones, breathing it in. Hmm. So. You know, all of that combined. I can just say uh, I've lost people this past year. In April, my own boss took his own life with a gun. Um, You know, and and I had to go bury him. Hmm. Even during COVID, I I drove. He was in upstate New York, and I drove up there, and I did the burial. Uh, Saw a lot of people from the stock exchange again, but. um, you know, he got off the island pretty quick, and you know, I'm the one who saw all the stuff. He got off pretty quick; mm. uh, didn't have to experience all that. Nevertheless, it changed all of us. I'm sure that it did. I, I used to—I hit the phone. I used to talk to guys at Cantor, Fitzgerald, all these guys. They're gone. The phone wasn't even going through. Hello, hello, hello. When I saw that bit, when we saw that plane hit, we're all trying to call them. Nobody, no answer. Mm. That'll live with you. Forever because you talk to these guys every day. I used to joke around. So when my phone would ring, you know, it was so fast paced, I'd, I'd usually answer the phone by saying, Talk to me, goose. Yeah. Or or, or else I'd answer, you know, House of Pain. And yeah. they would say, Buy 35,000, you know, and we would go through it. But, you know, we joke around. So I knew these guys, they would do stuff like that too. But um, yeah, it was, it changed our lives it without did. a doubt.
0: It did. While well, we have a few minutes' time, and I want to turn to a more positive note. And if you got a couple of minutes here to share one thought. You're doing a lot of ministry work these days. Besides just, you know, taking care of your family, I think all of us, many of us, feel very called to do a ministry of sorts. Me, I'm doing this radio program. It is a ministry. Uh, you are telling me some of the things you're up to. And maybe you can just give a quick... Uh, Overview of of what God is leading you to do, and 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 how you help others while you're helping yourself during this time that that you've been through.
3: Yeah, you know, I've been uh, during the whole COVID episode. I've worked as a chaplain in elder care, so I've been with many of them, and and you know, giving giving encouragement and, and even courage, by example, we have to do that uh, to staff. So there'll be nurses who were quite scared in the beginning of mm-hmm. this uh, whole thing. And I, you know, I had to put on full PPE and, and, you know, go into the COVID wing, but nurses didn't, some of them didn't want to do it. They were scared, they were crying. And I mm-hmm. said, you know what, I'm doing it. And I would go in there and they just followed. And they, and they started doing what they had to do. And, you know, even my wife said to me, because I she remembers I went running up to the buildings on 9-11. She said, you always go in. If it's emergency, if there's a fire, you run into the burning buildings. That's just who you are. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, though? As a minister, I would rather die ministering to people than cowering at home because I'm afraid. Amen and I said and that I will not do so I went I did it um, so you know God has sent people to me um, in during this pandemic now I'm, I'm getting a lot of people who are coming to me uh, you know obviously looking and struggling at what's going on in our society and about these shots and uh, oh, yeah. still nurses and all these people. So I'm ministering to a, a vast array of people. I do Zoom um, spiritual direction with people. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's counseling, but not counseling. I'm not certified counselor in my state, um, but I do have the degrees and could be and may end up doing it. But I help people. I help people look at their circumstances in their life from a spiritual perspective, kind of like you do and I do with the, what's going on in the world now. We always have to see it from that perspective.
0: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely.
3: You know, the lenses. I, I use my glasses. I say, you know, I need to see them from God's perspective. I put my glasses on. His, his lenses. I need to see everything that happens in my life and in the world from his perspective. That's what we're called to do. But we give people hope. We we hold on to people, we encourage them, and we need to be leaders. We we need to be leaders um, and stand up for truth. I'm I'm horrified at how many people don't, even Christians and ministers today, are are cowering to speak truth. Um, but your show speaks it, you know. I speak it wherever I am, and, and we have to because the truth will overcome the evil. It will, and and we'll be victorious. I have no doubt about that. Very quickly, one of the
0: things that has been on my heart and my mind, we got about just a few minutes left here, maybe two or three, before we have other things we have to get to. You know, the clock is going to be the enemy today, but very quickly, the Lord has just laid on my heart this one word called community, and and that's not to be confused with a compound. Uh, Compounds, you know, they terrify me because we're not called to be in a christian compound but a christian community that's the more biblical sense do you do you see christians having to be in their own economy their own way of doing business outside of the world as we know it
3: they're beginning to absolutely I see communities forming. Um, like-minded people are forming um, intentional communities. I called them right. They're they're you're not a compound like you said, but there are people in your town, in your area, and you see things the same way. Um, you begin to help one another. We take care of their children if somebody's working or if somebody's out of work, and we can help them. Mm. We're helping them. All of the things that are affecting people now because of this unvaccinated status, uh, they you know we're we're now all pitching in, helping one another, uh, and and giving direction and guidance. Um, and it even comes down to worship. There, that itself is being done outside the bounds, so to speak, because very often. You're seeing, you know, things are going to lock down again soon. Um, The mask mandates in churches is is still there, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, I'll give you one story. My my son, when we went to a church in the beginning of this, he had the mask on in nine years old. He fainted for lack of oxygen. Oh, I believe it. I said, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. I am not having him mask up. I am not doing this anymore. And, uh, you know, that's it. But so we're going to have to get along and, and get these communities going and understand sooner,
0: sooner than later,
3: because we are absolutely being pushed out of society.
0: My guest today for this very special edition of truth to ponder, it's been my good friend, Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales. Timothy, thank you for your time today. And I know it is hard to share the experiences you went through 20 years ago. There's no doubt in my mind, our nation is still facing some perilous times ahead. September 11th, 2001, for way too many people, is just a distant memory. For some people, they want to forget it entirely. And for others, we recognize it was the beginning of a season in which we are now living. We're coming into some very difficult times, especially for people of faith, especially for people that want to put their trust in God and not statism. I don't worship the state. The state and government have their say and their part in our lives, but not the totality that they are seeking today. And we as Christians are coming under oppression. There's no doubt in my mind. In years past, during times of war, like the Second World War and other times in history, God has been our ever-present hope. But I fear now that many Christians in the not-too-distant future around the world are going to be facing unprecedented persecution and difficult times. And we'll talk more about that when we get back into our programs next week. Revelation 21, verse four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There'll be no more mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The good news, all the difficulties of this life, even the torment, even if we are called to give our life for our faith. There is a promise where there is no more turmoil, no more pain, suffering, or tears. That's the reward of those that have faith in Jesus Christ. If you believe in the ministry of Truth to Ponder, please go to our website. Let me know that you listen. If you can support us financially to keep getting more airtime, that's where the money goes. Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire Lane. That's 21 Berkshire Lane number 263 that's number 263 in sky valley that's two words sky valley georgia 30537 now listen before we leave today i have one more thing that i do want to share this piece of music should be a rallying cry for all those who pray for the united states and our own countries listen carefully
1: Beside her and guide her.
0: Until we meet again next week, this is Bob Bierman wishing God's greatest blessings upon you and upon our nation. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth,
2: the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder shining the light of truth in a darkening world.